This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sailing the East podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a bit unusual is that only one of us sails. That would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. I don't know a stay from a shackle, so I'm going to ask most of the questions, and we'll let Bela do most of the answering. Now, it looks like today we're going to talk about sailing from Sandy Hook, New Jersey to Cape May, New Jersey. And if I remember correctly, this is essentially sailing the length of New Jersey from north to south. Bela, is it a long trip? Yeah, so it's an interesting trip, and uh, in a slow sailboat, uh, it probably can be your first overnight passage, or it will be an overnight passage. If you recall from our last episode, Sandy Hook is just south of New York City Harbor, and as the name suggests, it's a hook-shaped spit of land that projects out into Raritan Harbor. It's a great place to stop for a few days, if you're heading north through New York City, or if you're heading south. I will say heading south Sounds pretty good to me this past week as we had three feet of snow and it's been below freezing for the last several days. So the trip from Sandy Hook to Cape May is about 120 nautical miles. Uh, And uh, this is uh, one leg of the trip uh, when you're going from, let's say, Maine to down to Key West. As as we've talked before, Mike, one of the beauties of sailing the east coast of the United States is you can do it in two or three or four hour chunks, or you can sail the whole length all in one chunk if you want, depending upon your appetite. So, but this is one of the legs uh, as you're heading uh, from Maine to Key West, which is Key West is at the tip of Florida, or from Key West up to Maine, where the options for stopping are not as numerous as on other parts of the trip. So the leg from Sandy Hook to Cape May, uh, basically has one stopover point for a sailboat uh, if, if you want to do that. So it's a bit tricky, uh, and it's a great place to do an overnight sail if you want, because 120 nautical miles uh, at, uh, you know, five, uh, six nautical miles an hour uh, takes you a bit of time. So uh, that's part of the interesting part of this passage. So, Bela, why is it difficult for a sailboat to find these places to stop and not other types of vessels? Well, three things, Mike. Uh, speed, or lack thereof. We go, sailboats go pretty slow. Uh, draft. Uh, draft is the amount of water you need, uh, right? So my sailboat draws five feet of water, uh, which is on the shallow end, if you will. A lot of boats draw six, seven, eight, nine feet of water. Uh, and mast height. So you might say, well, why is the height of the mass matter? Well, a lot of harbors that you go into, uh, sometimes at the entrance or some 
times very near the entrance, there's a bridge. And you got to go, in my case, with a sailboat, you have to be able to fit underneath the bridge. Uh, and my sailboat, uh, the mast height above water is 62 feet. So it takes a pretty tall bridge for me, be, me to be able to go under it. Under it, So that limits the places that you can pull off and go into. And the coast of New Jersey is a lot of beach. So there's not a lot of natural harbors. There are some inlets. Uh, and these inlets, like I said, are limited. And uh, the, so you have to think about a couple of things here, right? So these inlets uh, often have uh, tidal currents associated with them. So as the tide goes up and down, the body of water that's on the land side of the inlet or the bay is either draining out into the ocean or it's filling up from the ocean. So the inlet itself, which is usually narrow, has a pretty good current in it. And some of these inlets, the current can be three or four knots. And if you're a sailboat and you can only go five or six knots, uh, that can that can make a two-mile trip take a long time. Uh, and here's the other thing you have to think about with currents, particularly tidal currents or currents of any kind, is you do not want the wind and the current to be in opposite directions. So if, if the wind is blowing uh, to the east and the current is heading uh, towards the west, they're in opposite directions. And what that does is it makes the waves, it forms waves that are steep and close together. And normally you don't want waves that are steep. You want nice rolly waves and you want them far apart. Uh, so this is a big challenge if you're trying to cross the Gulf Stream, which is a whole nother episode unto itself uh, for a later time. But so on these inlets, you have to be careful uh, because of these currents. And so you have to take into account the current, which direction is the current flowing. So timing here is important when you arrive or when you depart. You got to think about the wind. Uh, you also have to w uh, worry about uh, the changing shoaling. Or since since the shore of New Jersey is mostly sand, when the tide goes in and out, it carries a lot of sand with it, and the sand gets deposited in places. So, if you have a, a chart uh, that tells you how deep the water is, it's sort of a guess because, and lots of times on charts you'll see caution shoaling in this area which basically says you're on your own. We don't know how deep the water's going to be. Wow. <laughs> right? A little uh, stressful. So that, yeah, that makes it a challenge. Now, some of these inlets are well-maintained because they're shipping channels, right? So the Army Corps of Engineers maintains them, and they're big and they're wide because bigger ships go in and out. Other ones are much smaller, and they're just for recreational boating for the most part, and they're not well-maintained. So... In the coast of New Jersey, there's basically one place, which is Atlantic City, that's sort of a well-maintained, big entrance and exit with a good anchorage that a sailboat can get into. And uh, Atlantic City is about 75 nautical miles from Cape May. So that's doable in a day, but it's a long day. You got to sort of get up early in the dark <laughs> and... Uh, you know, get up at four in the morning and head out because 75 nautical miles is, is going to take you 12 hours. Yeah. Now, and, uh, in a go ahead. Now, time notwithstanding, is this an easy passage from a sailing perspective or is it a challenge? 
Oh, it's pretty easy. Uh, other than trying to get in, in and out of a bay, uh, if you want to anchor, it's pretty darn easy. There's not a lot of commercial traffic. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, any, any wind direction here is good because there's no currents offshore of New Jersey. So you're not worried about uh, a current in one direction and a wind in another direction. Uh, so that's good. Um, you can do the passage in 24 hours. So you just need a good weather forecast for about 24 hours, uh, which is, you know, in short term forecasts are really pretty darn good these days. Uh, in the summertime, you just got to sort of look out for thunderstorms, uh, which are, you know, can pop up any, any place, uh, but certain times of uh, the year or certain days, they're much more prevalent. Um, and you can go up, pretty, pretty close to shore here. <clears throat> so what I'd, I'd like to do is most commercial traffic, uh, stays about 10 miles offshore and, uh, they tend to stay out, out there. So the bigger ships, bigger barges, bigger tugs. Uh, and I like to sail somewhere about five miles offshore. Uh, so that puts me on sort of the land side of the big traffic. Uh, I just got to worry about fishing boats because there is a fair amount of commercial traffic that, you know, is going, going to New York City, from Baltimore, et cetera. So you, you got to be, got to sort of pay attention here. Um, but sailing-wise, it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, a pretty easy passage. You don't have to worry about any bad weather or currents or tides or any of that kind of stuff. I will tell you, <clears throat> the last time we did this, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we departed Sandy Hook uh, mid-morning, uh, planning to arrive in Cape May, mid to late morning the next day. So we were planning an overnight passage. Um, and that's, again, I, I think about where I want to be, or what my final destination is, I should say, when I want to get there. And then I work backwards from there to figure out when to depart. Um, and uh, it was really neat because uh, we actually went by Atlantic City about 10 o'clock at night, 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And we're about five miles offshore. And I don't know if it was a special occasion or if Atlantic City casinos do this every night, but there was this really wonderful fireworks display we saw. And it was the first time I had seen sort of a fireworks display <clears throat> from a boat or being out on the water, right? And it's a totally different perspective than, you know, standing there shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of other people or sitting in your car and watching fireworks. It was, it was really, really neat. And, uh, up against a black sky. It was just spectacular, just spectacular. The other thing I'll say that this trip is good for, it's a good first overnight trip for somebody because, again, it's pretty easy. <clears throat> and it's also a good place to sort of practice uh, using radar and your AIS. AIS is Automatic Identification System. It's sort of a way a boats broadcast a signal and, and your boat can receive that signal my boat also broadcasts a signal, and it basically tells other boats your location and your heading and how fast you're going. And it shows up on, on my chart plotter screen so I can see the other boats out there. And all commercial vessels are required to, to have AIS. And so it's a great way at night. We had a nice clear night. Uh, the winds were nice. Uh, turned on the radar. Uh, we saw boats on AIS. We could see them on the radar. And again, it's a good way to practice things. Right. So it's the first time I'm turning on my radar is not on a cold, foggy night. It was a nice, clear night. And I could sort of correlate what I was seeing with my eyes, 
what I was seeing on the radar screen and what I was seeing on my chart plotter. And I could get that practice uh, in, in, my, in my brain and get that muscle memory sort of developed so that when I do need to use it uh, on a cold and stormy night, uh, I, I, I could do that. Cool. I, this is really interesting, Bela. Tell me a little more about the Cape May landscape. What was noteworthy as you were cruising in? Yeah. Yeah. So the entrance to Cape May is, is really well marked. It's a, a pretty a good commercial, uh, entrance, uh, nice and large. And there's a big coast guard station there. So, uh, the coast guard station is on the bay side of Cape May. Uh, so they too maintain the channel really well. So it's easy to get into and out of. Uh, and I said, there's this uh, Coast Guard station there. And actually, uh, I looked it up. It's the primary training center for new recruits. So it's sort of uh, where all new Coast Guard recruits go for boot camp. And uh, there's actually an anchorage just off of the Coast Guard station there, and uh, which is where, where we anchored. Uh, and, you know, we'd get up in the morning uh, to get my coffee and sit out in the cockpit. And I could see over, you know, 200 yards away from us, all the recruits are out there marching and practicing their drills and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty large facility, training facility there. And in this anchorage, there was maybe about four or five boats total um, that were anchored there. It's not, a, it's not a very big anchorage. And there's lots of marinas there that if you want to go to marina, you can, you can go to a marina. Uh, which is which is always good, and uh, so one day we're I'm sitting out in the cockpit, and there's this other boat sailboat that's sort of anchored a little bit further away from everybody else, and it sort of looks abandoned, you know, it doesn't look well kept. I never see anybody on it, and it's sort of sitting over there by itself. And occasionally you come across abandoned boats, um, and you sort of get an eye for what you know how they look like, and this looked abandoned to me, but I wasn't sure, and then. And then all of a sudden I see this little Coast Guard boat with five or six Coast Guard guys come zooming out of their, their, their dock and they come flying past us and they head over to this little sailboat. And I'm going, oh, wow, there's something going on. It's going to be some kind of bust or something, right? And, these, and the guys got guns drawn and, and they hop on the boat and you hear all this commotion and shouting and yelling because it's about 200 yards away from us, right? And, and then... You know, I'm waiting to see some kind of haggard person pop up out of the cabin, but I didn't see anybody. And then Coast Guard guys get back in their boat and they go back into station. And then like two hours later, you see it up, see the Coast Guard boat come back out, flying back out, go up to this derelict looking boat, guns drawn, they jump on it. Well, it turns out it was a boat that the Coast Guard had there for training purposes. Wow. And every day, three or four times a day, we'd see... The, the little Coast Guard boat come out with their cadets on it, their trainees on it, and train, training how to, uh, you know, board a boat and do whatever they do. So uh, that was kind of neat to see that, to see the Coast Guard folks in action. Uh, and like I said, Cape May is really nice. It's got several marinas. Uh, it's got this nice anchorage. Not very big, but it's it's pretty nice. Uh, so it's a great place to stop if you, if you need some recovery time from an overnight sail. Uh, I, I know... Uh, on all of my overnight sales, uh, I don't sleep all that well. So I, it's always nice to have a recovery time. And uh, it takes me three or four days of constant sailing for me to get into the groove where I sleep well. Uh, so it's a great place to stop. The town is a close walk from the marinas. There's a dinghy dock. Uh, so you can get provisions and supplies. 
Uh, so it's a really nice stopover place. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a nice, quaint little town. Uh, you can walk to the beach. So we went for a nice long walk one day. Uh, so Cape May has a pretty famous beach uh, down there. And uh, so if you like to go to the beach, you can go to the ocean side and do that. Uh, walk around town. It's got restaurants, bars, ice cream, my favorite place to stop. Uh, and uh, so it's very nice. Very nice. Awesome. Bela, sounds great. Thanks for putting this together. Listeners, thanks for joining us. We hope you found this episode interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we've discussed today, please do get in touch with us. We're happy to uh, hear from you, uh, and we answer all of our emails. Our email address is sailingtheeast, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, If you like the episode, please subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Just hit that subscribe button. Uh, And if you really liked the episode, give us a comment or better yet, do a review in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, It helps other people find us and tell your friends as well. So signing off from upstate, from cold and chilly, I should say, upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Thanks, Bela, from over here in Munster, Germany, where it's uh, drizzling and about 35 Fahrenheit. Not particularly pleasant, pleasant, but no no snow. Uh, We'll see you next time and uh, be safe.